This episode is all about removing barriers for access to education through the principles of universal design for learning. So if you want to dive a little bit into the research, but also understand how you can make sure that your students can access your curriculum, whether they have disabilities or not, this episode is all for you. You're listening to That Music Podcast with me, Bryson Tarbett. I'm the music educator and blogger behind That Music Teacher and ThatMusicTeacher.com. Join me as I dive into what it really means to be a music educator. I hope that you're able to find a nugget of inspiration each week as I share my favorite ways to create purposeful instruction through active music making. Along the way, you'll hear from some of my amazing colleagues as they share practical advice that you can apply to your own classrooms. So grab a coffee, sit down, and let's get started. This episode is brought to you by my free guide on better serving our students with disabilities in the music classroom. I firmly believe that our job as music educators is to help our students find the way in which they can be best musical. And when it comes to teaching students with disabilities, most of us don't feel prepared to best serve these students. In this free guide, I'll share five ways to better serve the students with disabilities in your classroom so that you can truly say that your classroom is for everyone. To grab your free guide, head to thatmusicteacher.com disabilities. Again, to grab your free PDF guide, including a foreword by Lauren Morsenkowski about why disability isn't a bad word, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com disabilities. A few years back, I talked to Lauren Morsenkowski about something called the Universal Design for Learning. And it completely set this chain of events that led me into my graduate research line, that led me into creating a presentation to present at conferences. But more than anything else, it's just allowed me to really take a lot of what I felt was needed in my teaching and really put it into words in a way that allowed my curriculum to be accessible to all students, specifically those students with disabilities. So this episode, we're gonna talk about universal design for learning, what it is, what it isn't, and how we can take this research-backed approach and apply it to our teaching to allow our students more opportunities to access our curriculum. Universal design for learning comes from the concept of universal design, which started out with architecture and, you know, how can we make our buildings, how can we make the, you know, the things that we're designing more accessible to everyone. And then those same approaches, you know, the same concepts were applied to learning. And, you know, that's kind of where universal design for learning, also known as UDL, came into um, fruition. So universal design for learning is essentially seven different, um, you know, principles, seven different, you know, guiding, guiding principles of approach that when you're setting up your curriculum, your classrooms, your lessons to allow your students access and equal access to that curriculum. So the different um, principles are equitable use, flexibility in use, simple and intuitive use, perceptible information, tolerance for error, low physical effort, and size and space for approach and use. So in this episode, I'm going to take each of those principles and kind of break them down a little bit to make them a little bit easier to understand. And hopefully you'll be able to apply these into your teaching. 
So first step, we have equitable use. So equitable use is when instruction is designed in a way that ensures all students are able to access the information. For instance, students might be able to access textbooks or printed information, um, but they also have a, an option to do access this digitally rather than in print, which allows students to be able to use um, things such as, you know, screen magnifiers or text-to-speech services. I think, you know, I like to think of this principle as removing barriers for access um, from the educational materials and concepts to allow students to be successful um, in the opportunities that are presented towards them. Next up, we have flexibility in use. Flexibility in use is when teachers are use multiple modalities of instruction and assessment in their planning. And with flexibility in use, students are able to choose between a variety of methods to allow them to be successful. And on top of that, this principle is universal. This principle of universal design for learning lends itself really easily towards self-selected differentiation, where students are able to choose between different levels of assessment instruction to allow themselves to be successful. This doesn't mean that students are completely in control of you know what they're learning or how they're assessed, but it allows them the opportunity for multiple modalities of instruction and assessment for students to be successful. Our third characteristic is the characteristic or the principle of simple and intuitive use. Simple and intuitive use is easily described as removing barriers that are completely unnecessary in classroom context. King Sears writes that through simple and intuitive use, quote, content is presented in ways that are straightforward and considerable of students' background knowledge, language skills, and concentration levels. Barriers to success are removed through, you know, thoughtful consideration of the student population that a teacher serves. Next up, we have perceptible information. Perceptible information is when a teacher plans how to show information in a variety of modalities. Teachers remove barriers for understanding by providing different ways to interact with the content being presented. King Sears describes perceptible information as, quote, Using in illustrations, tactile experiences, visible contrast of essential content from supporting details, and using clear and concise language, unquote. Again, this is all about removing barriers for understanding by providing different ways for students to interact with the content. Next up, we have tolerance for error. Having a tolerance for error might seem basic, but the research suggests that this is one of the most important principles of the universal design for learning theory. By having a tolerance for error, students are able to make it make mistakes and are able to reattempt assessments to allow them to show themselves to successful. And this mastery approach really, really lends itself towards a lot of the current trends of education where we're fully focusing on that mastery-based approach. Low physical effort is really talking about designing lessons, assessments, and instructions in a way that really doesn't require students to needlessly tire themselves. Obviously, there are going to be a lot of times within the music classroom that students are going to need to have a lot of focus, have a higher level of focus. But the concept of level uh, of low physical effort is all about removing those barriers unrelated to what is being assessed. For instance, a teacher would really not want to only assess information using a written format. 
as this places a lot of emphasis on understanding of the written English language. With the concept of low physical effort, students are able to be assessed without putting undue stress on the students by assessing things that are out of the scope of the music classroom. And then last up, we have size and space for approach and use. This principle can easily be summed up by as having an understanding of the environment in which a teacher's lessons happen. An educator should really ensure that the environment that they are teaching in is helping their students be successful. For instance, if you're teaching in a loud gymnasium, you really want to be sure that every student is able to hear what is being covered. And, you know, thinking about, you know, are there students that are too far away from me as I'm speaking and they're not really able to hear what's happening? These are the types of questions and guiding principles that universal design really suggests that we consider when we're discussing the principles and the different things that we set up in our classroom. I share this research because this is something that has truly changed my trajectory as an educator and the way that I plan my lessons, shape my classroom, and basically just kind of function as an educator because it really kind of shares a lot of the guiding questions of you know what I need to do in order to allow my students to be successful. You know, I, I've, I've had this this podcast episode on the, you know, books of, you know, the list of things to talk about for years now. And I finally feel like I'm at the point where I have a decent understanding as well of understanding of how to make this practical and how to really take these questions and, and use them to apply them to what I'm actually doing that I feel like I'm at least confident enough to share them with you, even if I'm not going to pretend that, you know, I'm the end all be all expert. So if you are at all interested in learning about um, universal design for learning, I definitely recommend you look into it. There's so much good stuff out there um, about universal design for learning um, that really has changed my teaching. And, you know, whether it was even, even before I started doing my graduate research on UDL, there were just, you know, reading articles and reading, um, you know, talking to, to Lauren Worsenkowski about UDL really changed how I thought about differentiation and my instruction and ensuring that all students have access to my curriculum that I highly suggest that you at least take a Google search and, you know, search universal design for learning in the music classroom and just kind of see what you can take from the information you find to really apply to your classroom. Because what I have been able to apply to my classroom has been incredible to watch. It's been incredible to see the students that you know, might not necessarily make the progress that they're making in my classroom, in other classrooms, you know, find the joy in it, find the, you know, the, the pride in themselves. And it's been, it's been something incredible to watch. And it, it's something that I won't take for granted. So I hope that you could find something similar to that kind of experience in your classroom. If you found this episode helpful at all, I would really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Not only does this help me understand what you find most helpful, it also helps more music educators just like you find the podcast. To check out the show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned, head on over to thatmusicteacher.com slash show notes.